Flint Hill Baptist Church exists to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Find out more at flinthill.net. And thank you, thank you, thank you. What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord, to worship the Lord together. Church, I hope, uh, hope you brought your Bibles with you this morning. Uh, if you will, open them up to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Uh, last week, <clears throat> I shared a message with you talking about it's all about grace. And it really is all about God's grace. And uh, today it's the blessing of grace and blessings. Romans chapter 5, we're going to get there in just a moment. Verses 1 through 11. Uh, let me just say a couple things, and uh, just on my heart, just say thank you for y'all opening up your hearts and your homes uh, to me, and uh, I told you my, my desire is to meet with our families and to gather up and to, and to come to you, and we, we tried the sign-up thing and all that good stuff for me just kind of getting with you, and, and uh, let me just say, I think my phone number's in there in the bulletin and email, and please reach out to me, I'm going to reach out to you, and my goal and my hope is that in the coming months that I'm going to meet with every one of you and get sit, you know, sit down in your home. It's not to be a long visit. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you don't have to heal the fattened calf and all that stuff. But, uh, I mean, unless you want to. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, seriously, I am. I, it's not intended to be. But I just, want to, I just want to have the opportunity. I mean, I just want us to get to know each other uh, as we move forward into what God has in store uh, for us. And I'm just so grateful uh, for the opportunity to be here as your pastor, and uh, so thank you. Um, and and, uh, and let me say this: if I forget, right after our uh, worship this morning, we will have what we call membership matters class right here during life groups. Several of you and several families have already said, "Hey, we plan to be there." If you're here today and you didn't tell me that, that's fine, and you want to be here, that's you're welcome to join with me in here. Uh, we'll make that transition right after worship, going to the life groups. Uh, and we'll meet right here. You can just come forward, come down here and sit down in a couple rows here. And we'll, we'll spend the next uh, 45 minutes during life group just talking about what, uh, what does it mean to be a member here at Flint Hill. And uh, so anyway, so if your uh, Lord's prompted you to do that, whether you've let me know that or not, you're welcome to come. Be a part of that uh, time together. All right, Romans chapter 5, one, verses 1 through 11. And uh, let me just say... Uh, <clears throat> The passage that we're looking at, uh, man, we're jumping right into Romans, just jumping into a little passage here. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, therefore, uh, therefore, and, and one good uh, kind of recommendation I would give to you that many scholars have given to me over the years, whenever you see in the scriptures, therefore, that word, you always want to know what it's there for. Does that make sense? I know it seems so simple to think of it that way, but... But not, uh, So whenever you read the Word of God, now listen, I, I, will, I will tell you devotionally, opening up your heart and opening up the Word, God will speak to our hearts. Amen? I mean, He really will. And He can use that Word. Uh, but when you're reading the Scripture, it's always good to put it in a context. And uh, in this case in particular, therefore, uh, is there for a reason. Paul has linked this passage we're about to read to the previous chapter very clearly here. In chapter 4, we don't, we're not going to read the whole thing, but, he, but let, let, let me read verse 1 real quick. Since we've been justified through faith. 
Justification through faith. And so the whole previous fourth chapter, Paul goes to great lengths. God has helped him and led him by the Holy Spirit to give us the Word of God. And he connects justification by faith. In fact, chapter 4, verse 3, he, he illustrates two big pillars of what we would consider the Old Testament, Abraham and David. And he says in chapter 4, chapter 4 verse 3, he says, What does the Scripture say? He's having this conversation. Obviously, uh, there were a lot of Jewish believers, listeners that would have heard this read in that first century Rome. And he said, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 4, now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. He goes on, David says the same thing. He, now he moves to David. When he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works, or in particular the works of the law. And so he's quoting now in Psalms, in verse 7 and 8 of chapter 4, Blessed are, whose, are they whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Man, can we just say amen to that? Praise the Lord. I know, I know. It's, I mean, when I say it, amen, I know some of y'all are going to say amen regardless. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, that's something we're shouting about. My sin is not held against me. Thanks be to God. So Paul then uses that link. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, in verse 1, chapter 5, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He's given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we, ha we have now received reconciliation. Father, we just want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. May it come to life in our hearts today. God, we need your help. God, open wide our hearts and our minds to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so... Uh, I shared with you a little bit why it's therefore, why important when you're reading the Word of God, put it in that context. Today, I want to share with you seven blessings, I think, straight out of this passage, the blessings of grace. And it is a blessing. By, you know, when we look at that word blessing or the blessed life, I mean, we, we see this over and over again in the Scriptures. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, uh, the Scripture says. And to be blessed, I mean, even uh, Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount with that terminology, that that that. To be blessed, to be uh, one who God's favor rests upon. The blessed life. There's seven, seven blessings here. I, I believe God has shown us in this text, and I hope you're ready to receive it in His name this morning. Blessing number one, if you're making notes. The, the first, first blessing is this, peace with God. 
The Bible says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. The verb translated here in this passage, peace with God, is a present tense, indicating something that's already been possessed, owned. Many of believers' blessings, in other words, the many of our blessings in Christ uh, await us later on. In other words, we may not receive it at this moment, right? But peace with God is established the moment one places their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The peace that Paul is speaking about here is not subjective in a sense, but objective. In other words, it's not a feeling, but it's a fact. You can bank on it. It's a blessing. God has in His grace, demonstrated His grace to every child of God by imparting His peace that passes all understanding. Apart from salvation in Jesus Christ, every person, please hear this, is at enmity with God. Let me say it this way. You're at war with God. That's the declaration of Scripture. In other words, you're spiritually at war. Those that are outside of Christ, even today, this morning, are at war. You may not think that. I mean, I'm, I mean you know, there may be some people that believe that and think that, but I met a lot of people that don't know Christ, and they don't think of themselves as at enmity or at war with the Lord. But make no mistake, the Scripture says that. If you're not with Him, you're, a, yeah, you're against Him. Regardless of what the feelings are about God, in the same way, this, the, the Christian, the child of God, though, the one who's born again, who's justified by faith, we see in the passage, is at peace with God. Regardless of how you feel at any given moment. Please hear that. Even a believer in Christ can get unrest. I'm not going to ask you to you know, stand up and testify this morning, but I assume that most of us, unless I'm the only weirdo in the house... As I walk with the Lord, as I'm living my life with Christ, there are moments of unrest. Do y'all ever get that way? I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking to myself this morning. Uh, even in Christ, as a believer who, 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 who may read the Word of God and open up your heart to God, there are circumstances, things in my life that might create unrest. Right? But thanks be to God. But please hear me. It's not based on your feelings. These are facts. These are things that God has declared in His Word by His grace. He has given all those that have, com have committed their life to Christ, trusted in Christ for their, for their salvation. He has given peace to you. In, in other words, this, this, this is it. You're no longer at war with God. There's peace. Peace. Wiersbe makes this statement. Condemnation means that God declares us sinners, which is a declaration of war. I mean, that is the, that's clearly the wages of sin is death. He has declared that. Justification means that God has declared us righteous, which is a declaration of peace made only possible through Christ's death on the cross. When you come under the blood of Jesus, we sang about the blood some this morning. I believe there's a good sermon series coming up, Nothing But the Blood. Because it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses, yes, my heart, but it brings us back to at rest or at peace with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God Himself. Peace with God is a precious, precious, beautiful blessing of the grace of God. My hope is this morning that you can testify to God's peace that, is, that has rested upon you. That when you came to faith in Christ, you could declare that no longer are you at war, but enmity between you and God. But now there's a peace, there's a rest. There's an incredible peace that God gives us to those that come under His grace. Blessing number two, if you're making notes, access to God. Look here in the Scriptures. Not only does it say we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access 
by faith into this grace in which we now stand. When we talk about access to God, we have the ability to come before the Lord. In fact, in the scriptures, you know this, I'm reminding you, Wiersbe makes this statement. He says the Jews were kept at a distance from the Lord. Remember this in the scriptures? Uh, there was a veil that kept them out of that, actually into the Holy of Holies. But even at that, I mean, if you were in the temple, there, you know, only a certain number of people were able to even approach the throne or to get close to the altar of the Lord. You were kept at a distance. So, there, so for a Jewish person who wanted to come and worship the Lord, they would always have to worship from afar. They could never, I mean, they would try to get as close as they could, and they would bring an offering and a sacrifice. And yes, their sins would be cleansed and they'd be forgiven, but they were always kept at bay. Now, if you were a Gentile, which I'm assuming most of us in here are considered Gentiles, it's even further. I mean, there was a court of the Gentiles. In other words, you were allowed to come into this court, but you didn't dare enter into that next court. In fact, some would say there was a banner or a sign that would have been put up and basically saying, Gentiles, stay out. I mean, it would have been made clear. In other words, you wouldn't have just wandered up into that inner court where only Jewish people, the Hebrew people, would have come. If you were an outsider someone who was non-Jewish, you would have been kept even further at bay. So when we look at this, and what Paul, I mean, is saying here in Romans chapter 5 is just overwhelming. That now in Christ, by God's grace, we have access, access to the Lord Himself. I mean, literally, when Jesus died, y'all know this, y'all, I'm just reminding you what you know. In Luke 23, verse 25, what happened to that veil? It was torn asunder. What a beautiful illustration of God himself just ripping the veil. He says, no longer will my people be kept at bay. But all who come under the blood of Jesus by grace will enter in to the Holy of Holies. The presence of God Almighty. What a glorious and frightening thing that is. Let me just tell you. It's wonderful for us to talk about the grace of God, that we have access to God. But what a glorious thing that is. And yes, the veil's torn. And yes, in Ephesians chapter 2, we know that that wall that separated the Gentiles from the Holy of Holies, the intimacy with God, has been broken down by Christ Himself. And we rejoice in this, that we, we as children of God can come unto our Father personally, practically, passionately. We can come into the Holy of Holies. The Lord God Almighty, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, wants me and you. To be that intimate. He died on a cross so that we could have access to our Heavenly Father. Anytime, place, anywhere. In fact, this will mess you up. He's with you already. I mean, I know. Some of us live our lives sometimes. We don't realize God's with us. He's with us all the time, whether you acknowledge it or not. But God wants you to be aware of His presence. To come into that intimacy and to come to Him humbly. And to have this intimate, beautiful relationship. With the Lord God Almighty. What a glorious thing this is, church. My goodness. I mean, as a Gentile, that was unthinkable. To the Jewish people who thought they had a right, it would have been unthinkable to be so intimate with the Lord God Almighty. And yet here we sit here today, and we have what they didn't have. Going back to the Old Testament, today is a new day. Today's a new covenant by the blood of Jesus, and we have the opportunity to call him. This will mess you up. Abba. 
Father. Jesus said, you, know, you want to learn how to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven. Daddy. That's going to mess some of y'all up. It's that intimate. It's as a child coming to their father. Crawling up in his lap. That's the term of endearment. That we now, we now, as it's not just special people. It's every child of God has the blessing by the grace of God to enter into access personally and intimately with the Lord God Almighty. What a glorious thing. All right, blessing number three, if you're making notes, here he is. Glorious hope. Glorious hope. In other words, here we go. Uh, the scripture says in uh, verse two, it says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. On our basis of faith in him, Jesus Christ brings believers into this grace in which we now stand. That word stand literally carries the idea of permanence, a standing that is firm and immovable. Not wishy-washy, but firm and immovable. Although faith is necessary for salvation, it's God's grace, not my faith, that has the power to not only save me, thanks be to God, but to keep me unto Him. We are saved by grace and preserved by grace. It's by grace and grace alone that we have access to the Father and this glorious hope of everlasting life. And what a glorious thing. Wearsby makes this comment. He says, peace with God takes care of the past. Access with God takes care of my present. But a hope for the glory of God takes care of the future. Friend, let me remind you today. One day, one day, one day, we will share in His glory. Fully, completely. I know it messes with us a little bit on this side of heaven. But I'm telling you, that's a, we are heading to a place. We're on a journey. We really are. Has always been. And we're heading. All the time is heading to one day. One day, He's coming back. As he was taking up, he said, I'm coming again on one day. It's coming. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But it's not just that event, but it's forevermore. And the, and the glorious hope that we have in Christ, the blessing of God's grace, there's more to life than what we see right now. Now, life is great and beautiful, and I hope you enjoy it to its fullest. But friend, there's a hope that's everlasting that we have by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. You know, in fact, that word... You see this word. I've already read it several times in verse 2. Uh, it says, Through whom we have gained access by faith and the grace we now stand. Here it is. And we rejoice in the hope. In verse 3, he goes on to say, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Go down to verse 11. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God. There's a theme here in this passage by God's grace. All the blessings that God has given us creates great joy in the hearts of every child of God, in the heart of the Christian. Three times in this passage, he emphasizes it. Man, I love, uh, I, I do love the letters of Paul. I do. Y'all were with me on Wednesday night worship. Wow. Y'all remember that? We've been in the book of Ephesians. I know. Thank you. We've been, in, we've, been in, we've been through the book of Ephesians for a while, but I will tell you, when we get to the book of Philippians, He's, he makes a statement. He says, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I see a, say it again, rejoice. Man, the, the graces of God being poured out into the heart of a child of God, it ought to stir us up to rejoice, to bring great joy. Joy that's not dependent upon my circumstances, but joy created because of God's grace and God's unmerited favor. 
Thanks be to God. Blessing number four, if you're taking notes. God's grace brings forth a blessing of Christian character. It says at the end of verse, uh, beginning of verse three, not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint us. Christian character. Wiersbe says, For the believer, trials work for us, not against us. No amount of suffering can separate us from the Lord. It cannot. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not here to say that, you're, that any of us are immune to suffering or trials or difficulties on this side of heaven. In fact, the, the Lord said that you're going to face tri- trials and struggles and uh, turmoils and all kinds of things. In fact, he, warned, he, he prepared the disciples. He, he said there's going to come a day where people are even going to try to attack you and persecute you because of my name. I mean, there's none of us immune to that. And I wouldn't welcome that for anybody to say, oh yeah, go out there and get into a mess of trouble because of the Lord in your life. I wouldn't want that for anyone. But, But I've lived life long enough to know that there are things in this world. This world is heading to a place of redemption. And there's sin in this world. And there's struggle in this world. Some of you know that all too well. But thanks be to God that in Christ, that even the struggles and the trials and the difficulties that I'm facing today are not just to no avail, but this suffering can actually bring us closer to the Lord and make us more like Him. Suffering builds Christian character. This word in verse 4 right here, it says perseverance leads to character. It means character that's been proved. Tried. When we talk about building Christian character, it comes with the conviction of God and trials. God will allow us to walk through difficulties that hone us and shape us. It's, it's a threshing, it's a cleansing, it's a purifying part of how God builds us day to day. And, and let me be clear. The, you know what the world needs to see? is men and women, boys and girls, that are sincere in their faith in Christ, that love Jesus with all their heart, even in the difficult days. I love um, a song, I don't even know who sings it, on the radio right now. It says, on my best day, I'm not going to sing it. Thank you. I I, I started singing it there for a moment. I did. I was about to mess mess this up bad. I know my place. But uh, (laughs) it's okay. On the best days, I'm a child of God. On my worst days, I'm a child of God. That's a beautiful And it's true. It's a biblical. That's a result of God's grace. Sometimes you feel like, sometimes you don't. Listen, it doesn't matter. whether I'm, Regardless of my feelings or emotions in this moment, wherever I'm walking in, God has said, you're mine and I'm yours forever and ever and ever. Thank you, Lord. Amen? All right, blessing number five. Blessing number five, you're making notes. God's love within I just want to remind you in this scripture in verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Um, I mean, this is a beautiful teaching of scripture. One of the blessings of God's grace is not just having access to God and knowing Him, but listen, we can know His love. Yeah, it's one thing for me to love the Lord and say I love the Lord, and we should, and we ought to grow in that love. But friend, I want you to hear me right. God loves you personally, passionately. I mean, His love for you, the Bible says, has been poured out in our hearts. What a glorious statement. When a person 
receives salvation through Jesus Christ, he or she enters into that spiritual love relationship. I can't help but to go back to Henry Blackaby back in the 90s and some of the uh, statements and, tr and truth and principles that I began to learn even as a young man. Everything, everything in my life, our life as a Christian hinges on a personal, passionate love relationship with your Heavenly Father. He has chosen, He has chosen to, to walk with us in love. To demonstrate His love. Not only demonstrate, but to, to, to pour out this love that surpasses knowledge into our hearts. He has chosen, please hear me, to operate, to relate to me and you in love. I mean, and that'll mess some of you up. Because love surpasses knowledge. It'll blow your mind. It is a most amazing, wonderful, glorious, thank you Jesus moment when God begins to open our hearts personally and we begin to see how much He really loves me and you. It's freeing. It is incredible. It's amazing. May we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I, and, I'm, and I mean that since it, Lord, help us to do that. We want to be strong in the Lord. You've got to grow in His love for you. Uh, the awareness, the manifestation of that love. Lord, let it come forth in our hearts even so. Um, but make no mistake, this is a blessing of God's grace. And friend, God didn't have to, but He wanted to. That's His heart. His heart is for you to know Him in a love relationship. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of how great and wonderful our Lord is. The word here poured out, and I just can't help it. Um, that word that he says poured out into our hearts, it literally means a lavish outpouring. To the point, the picture is of a cup overflowing. I mean, that's, that's the idea here. You know, I keep going to that song, fill me up till I overflow. May we never come, be content with, with the love that the Lord has demonstrated in our hearts. I, listen, there's not a one of us in here that has arrived. There's not a one of us. I, I'm not so sure we're not going to keep on growing for all eternity. I'm not sure our hearts can understand a fullness of how much God sincerely, passionately, personally loves each of us. It is an amazing result of God's grace in Jesus Christ that He has now demonstrated his love for us, and poured out His love into our hearts. Blessing number six, if you take a note. Salvation from future wrath. Look with me here in verse, verse 9. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? That's the, that's the statement here. Paul's trying to help uh, the church there in Rome and the, and the believers there to understand the blessings of God's grace is not just now, but forever. For if, he says in verse 10, if we were reconciled as God's enemies, remember it was when God demonstrated His love, going back to verse 8, for us when? When we, when we cleaned up and did everything He wanted us to do? No! The Bible says while we were still sinners, wretched, that's what we looked at last week, wretched am I, sinner, set apart. I mean, I, I never make the mark, I always mess up. I've done wrong, iniquity. I mean, how many words you want to use? That's me and you. It was in that condition God demonstrates His love for me and you by dying for us. So if we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through His death of the Son, how much more? That's that phrase, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? 
And so the beautiful picture here, the blessing, I mean, one of the glorious blessings of God's grace, it's not just now, but it's forever. Salvation from future wrath. Let, let, let me just say this. Uh, Wiersbe makes this statement this way. If God saved us while we were enemies, surely he will keep on saving us uh, now as his children. Uh, he goes on to make this statement. Jesus, and, and, and it's a testament, that's a will. Jesus Christ wrote us into the will. And he wrote it with his blood. The, the blood that was spilt on Calvary. The cup is the New Testament. I mean, we celebrate the Lord's service. That's one of the ordinances of the church. We remember his death on the cross was not in vain. But because of that blood that was spilt, now my name, hallelujah, is written in the Lamb's book of life. Every child of God can testify of that. It's not by, your, by, by what you've done. You didn't earn it. It's purely by his grace through the blood of Jesus. He died so that he would, that, that would be enforced. But listen to this. He rose from the dead and returned to heaven that he might enforce by himself and distribute this inheritance of grace and life everlasting. One of the blessings, glorious blessings, is salvation from future wrath. I hope you know that personally. That, that has such implications on how we live our life today, knowing that not only am I saved today, but I am saved forever and ever and ever for all eternity. That is a rock solid, stable, strong, and secure. This is where Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 3, he would want us to pray that we'd come to be rooted and established in this love relationship for now and forevermore. He don't want us to be like them infants tossed back and forth on the waves of the water, but be strong and mature and growing in this grace. All right, blessing number seven. And this is not least because it's the last, but I mean, it's, it's just here. It's the last word in this, in this phrase, in this passage of Scripture. Blessing number seven is what? By God's grace, we are reconciled with God. Not only is this so, verse 11, but we also rejoice in God through Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That word is real simple. It means to be brought back into fellowship. There was enmity. There was distance. There was a fragmentation. There was a gulf between me and us and the Lord. And now by God's grace, that gulf is no more. Through the cross and the death and resurrection of Christ, we've been brought back into fellowship with the Lord. I mean, the hymn writer had it right. Yeah, I, I know. I don't know why it always comes back to a hymn or a song sometimes in my heart. But I, I, my grandma played this all the time. I've shared this with you before, but you know that, I think it's called In the Garden, if I got it right, where he would walk with us, talk with us. I mean, it, it, well, how do we do that? Because we're reconciled back to God. There's an intimate relationship that is real and personal. I, when you get up in the morning and go to work or whatever you're going to do, God is with you. You can walk with Him. You can talk with Him. If you're struggling, talk to Him. If you're happy, praise Him and talk to Him. The word reconciliation means to be brought back into that intimate fellowship with the Lord. Beautiful. I mean, these are blessings. These are blessings of God's grace. And I'm sure this isn't all of them. This is just what's in chapters 5, 1 through 11. Blackaby's devotion yesterday. I've got some of our men, some of our deacons reading through this. I was just, God just speaking to my heart. Talking about Christians when they... Uh, as Christians, we sin and we fall short and we mess up and all that stuff. And he said this, he made this statement. He said, Satan will try to convince you that your sin renders you useless to the Lord. 
And he goes on to say, he says, that's a lie from the author and the father of lies. As soon as you sin, the deceiver will whisper, you failure, you're no longer any use to the Lord. In fact, he goes on to say, this can bring a a deep sense of defeat and hopelessness to the Christian. Here it is. Yet there is no freedom that compares to a soul set free by the grace of God. When God's people allow God's truth to realign them to God's will and God's standards, then the power of God is released through them in the same way it was through the first disciples. And here's the word that just spoke to my heart, talking about realignment. And I'm just going to be honest, sometimes we walk through this life, I'm talking about us brothers and sisters in Christ, and we just need a realignment from the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever had a car that got out of alignment. I mean, y'all probably... Y'all probably had. I know. Y'all driving that nice stuff out there. I'm with you. But I've had the pleasure of going down the road, and you let go of the steering wheel, and it'll take you off the side of the road. I'm like, wait a minute. You go out there and look at them tires, and it's bald on the outside, but you got good tread on the inside. Something's out of alignment. And I, I'm just going to tell you, I, I really believe, I really sense. Gavin, come, y'all come on. Y'all come on. I really sense in my heart what God wants to do more than anything this morning is open up our eyes and open up our hearts. And it may be that God, the Holy Spirit, needs to do a little work inside of me and you. If we would just be so willing to be so vulnerable and so honest before God right now. Listen, this altar is going to be open. You don't have to come to this altar. You can make an altar where you are. The tragedy of this day is if you're a little out of alignment with the Lord... And you're unwilling to acknowledge that before Him. He already knows that you know that. You're not hiding anything from the Lord Jesus Christ today. But He's not going to make you get in alignment. But it's real simple. You've got to acknowledge it. And you've got to admit that. And you've got to say, you're right, Lord, I've done wrong. Or I've messed up. Or I'm in the wrong place. Or I'm not where I need to be. And I'm not experiencing the blessings of your grace in my life today. Well, it's time for a realignment. Now, we can sit out here and just act like, well, it's no big deal. It's a big deal. You want to live life to the fullness? You want to live that life everlasting, that abundant life? It's only done God's way, God's standards. You want to know and do the will of God? It's only by His will, His ways, His standards. And then God, thank you, Lord, the Holy Spirit empowers us, enables us to live, to do, to be who He's called us to be. But we've got to be honest. And so anyway, so I just want to open up this moment. We're going, we're going, I'm going to pray for us. They're going to lead us in a song of response. But I just want to, Father, right now, just be honest and real before you. Sweet Jesus, we love you. We come before you this morning. Asking, I'm asking God that you would open the eyes of my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me. God, enable me right now, Lord Jesus, to acknowledge that, to admit that, to agree with you. Confess that to you. Rejoice in the cleansing and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. God, we need you. We need you now more than ever. God, I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand with me, church. This altar is open if you need it. Or you can make an altar right there where you are.